Hi, and thanks for downloading that B Word podcast. This is your beautiful bipolar host, Becky. Well, guys, I think that I am going to go and look for a new job. I've been at the place I work at for a really long time. And although it's comfortable at this point, I guess, it's also kind of miserable. The work is easy, too easy, really. It's, um, at this point, it doesn't take a lot of brain power. And I really need something that's going to make me use my brain a little bit more and hopefully be a less toxic workspace. Because let me tell you, my workplace can be very toxic at times, even though my boss may, (laughs) he may come off like he is a, a jokester and a lot of what goes on there can be and probably should be considered harassment of some kind or another. So I am going to start uh, looking for another job and I think I might start looking in other cities too. We Our neighborhood has had some hmm, questionable things go on in it of late (laughs) and kind of looking to get away from it. Now, don't think that this doesn't bring up quite a lot of anxiety because it certainly does. I, I am scared to death to change uh, what's going on right now because I've been doing it for a really, really long time. Longer than I've been married, longer than I've dated anybody, even. So it's a, it's a huge decision. It's a, it's a huge step, but it's even a huge step to even make the decision. You know what I mean? So that's what's been going on in my head lately. How are you guys? Good. I hope so. So a little bit of news came across this article that caught my eye. It's called, What Happens When an Algorithm Labels You as Mentally Ill? And it's on the Washington Post in the opinion section by Adam Hoffman. And the article goes on to say what you might think it was going to say from the headline. Evidently, there are quite a few entities out there that are basically cataloging what they think is your mental health based on the kind of uh, words you use, the actions or your emojis that you use collected over time. And they call this the socionome, basically a catalog of your mental health. It's supposed to be like your genome, like your mental health sociological genome. So evidently there are already places that use things like this, like the crisis text line uses something like that to move those callers that they think are at risk of suicide to the top of the list. Interestingly, what some of the words that they use to determine whether or not you are at higher risk are the words Advil and ibuprofen. 
So I found that quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure if that's because somebody is saying they have taken, you know, 50 Advil uh, or what, but it's uh, interesting to me. So these have been used by Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Microsoft, um, to a low degree of accuracy, which unfortunately, you know, has its own sort of negative effects, could be false positives, but even if they're not false positives, how scary is it that this information can be collected without your knowledge and then shared to, well, who knows who? Could it lead to people to be more sick than they thought they were? Or could that information even get to third parties? I mean, everybody's kind of experienced the effect that Google can have on your ads that pop up on your computer screen. Imagine if that same... uh, same in, same type of information gathering was used to determine your your insurance premiums or your employers or your life insurance i mean it's really frightening i mean i'm not personally one that really wants to own guns or anything like that but i mean Are they going to take away your right to own a gun because you put the wrong kind of emojis together? And what if you type a lot of typos? (laughs) Or maybe what if you don't know what the emojis mean? I mean, there's all kinds of scary things. I keep saying that word, but I mean, geez, it is really frightening. In fact, I really am hard-pressed to think of any positives that might come out of it. I mean, so you might be diagnosed by some algorithm as being having major depressive order or something like that. Is But according to this article, the degree of accuracy with this is too low to really be trusted. So do you go about your life believing you're depressed, making yourself more depressed by believing it? And thereby just causing a feedback loop that just generates depression, depression, depression. And even if it is a correct diagnosis, but then, I mean, ideally, I suppose it would cause somebody to go and and seek treatment and get some help. But it's not like this information is automatically reviewed by any medical professionals or anything like that. I am kind of interested in seeing what you guys think about that. Hit me up, uh, write me an email or hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you think. If you're as terrified as I am (laughs) that um, this might somehow affect your, what I'm thinking, health insurance premiums or some some other, um, you know what? It could even affect your credit score now that I'm thinking about it. What couldn't it do? (laughs) So yeah, hit me up. Let me know what you think. 
So my interview this week is with Holly. Holly is one of the members over at the Bipolar Party. Uh, that's at BipolarParty.com. And it's uh, sort of a, a, a safe space for people with bipolar disorder to come hang out and um, be with people who kind of get it. You know what I mean? So if you have bipolar disorder, come on over. I have Holly on the line. Hi, Holly. Hey, Becky. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am doing pretty good. My dog got sprayed by a skunk last night, so <laughs> that was an interesting night. Which I understand can be a very lengthy and horrible process to deal with. <laughs> it was yeah, it great. We Googled what to do, and so we uh, found some recipe that included the stuff that comes in the brown bottle. What's that called? The hydrogen peroxide. Uh-huh. And uh, baking soda and dish soap. So we put all that together, ran around the house, couldn't find the uh, hydrogen peroxide for anything. Finally, <laughs> I found it. And we're a place where it's not supposed to be. <laughs> of course. We're al- always. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure why it was in my bedroom, but I'm sure that I had a reason <laughs> at the time. And so we. And it worked? It, it seemed to work. It seemed to work. Uh, pretty well so that's good because i've heard stories of like different like using like five different things and it's still not working so yeah we got lucky i knew that the tomato stuff didn't work so didn't try that maybe it's a myth thing because that's what i thought was like the main thing to use too yeah that's so what, maybe it's like an old wives tale or something maybe yeah oh. well i'm glad your dog doesn't smell like skunk anymore so yeah <laughs> me good. too it was it was really great um <laughs> to have that not happen <laughs> so so holly and i met met uh, quote unquote on the um bipolar party thing that john emotions has uh, brought into existence and so we were on there um talking a little bit and you were saying how you felt that uh you could probably fit the diagnosis for borderline personality disorder as well? Yes. So I I had the, uh, so I've had my bipolar diagnosis for years and years now. Um, Well, it was multiple diagnoses because I just kind of denied it for a while. So I needed to be told a couple times before I was like, oh, actually, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So then once I kind of got that kind of taken care of as far as like getting on good medications there was still all of these residual issues that I was having just as far as just um being extremely reactive to a lot of things Mm -hmm. um like taking a lot of things um I guess personally like any sort of thing that can be thought of as kind of rejection like someone canceling me something like that like taking it incredibly personally and just reacting with that and, and all of these issues that I was having that um, my psychiatrist at the time didn't really touch on. Um, She was just very much like, well, you're here for bipolar, so we're just going to talk about that. We didn't really get into the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been having issues with that. So then um, I was just doing more research on kind of like, how can I fix this sort of stuff? Um, And then it was, then I had came across like the borderline um, information and I was kind of like, well, I mean, there's no diagnosis yet. I'm, I'm on the way of getting a new psychiatrist. So, um, but sometimes when you look at it, you kind of have to call a spade a spade. And you're like, well, when all of this criteria are kind of 
reflects how I am every day. Uh, mm. um, so I've been kind of looking a lot more into that. So um, yeah, it's been it's been very interesting and, and very, it's been an eye opening experience for sure. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. I I kind of thought that I had borderline personality disorder before I ever got diagnosed with it. Yeah, because you got to know, right? You yeah, the, something's not exactly right. The bipolar diagnosis. I mean, if meds doesn't fix it, then something else has got to be going on, right? Yeah, and then and then just like the origin of how borderline comes about kind of really fits like my the narrative of my life as well so then it all kind of just makes sense at this point so mm-hmm. so um it's like, but getting a psychiatrist is a lengthy process so yeah. <laughs> um to get a new one so eventually i'll get there but in the meantime just kind of trying to, to do what i can just by gathering my own information and, and doing that so yeah well, that's awesome that you're being proactive. You were sharing that, um, I don't remember the guy's name, um, but he has a YouTube channel. And you shared that oh, video yes, about... The doctor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel Fox or something like that, I think. Dr. Okay. Daniel something like that. Either way. Yeah, I wasn't sure his name. But it, it doesn't yeah. really matter, except for to give him credit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you were sharing that video about the the FP, the favorite for the favorite person. Yes, that, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I did too. Now, do you did that ring true with you? That having a favorite person, it describes every relationship I've ever been in. Like even like close friends. Like that. It's just um, a lot of what it is. Just to kind of explain. Lena, and you're, you're going to probably know all about this a bit better than I do. So correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. It, it's very, you have this kind of idealized version of what this person kind of should be. And you have all of these expectations that are laid out. Um, but I, if I don't even really always consciously expectations, it's just, I don't realize that an expectation has been not met until in that exact moment, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you when this person doesn't meet those expectations, it like hits tenfold as far as like actual feeling like complete rejection, feeling awful, like and then it just takes your mood from like good to horrible mm-hmm. because I guess like everything that this one person does is kind of um, having a hard, bad time explaining it right now. But yeah, everything like it, it is hyper emotions all the time with this one person. I guess it's like if if things are going well, then your life just seems like it's going well, and if things are going bad, then everything seems to suck. Um, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Well, it does to me. Yeah, <laughs> you're kind of preaching to the choir. Though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I kind of was in, uh, thought that his breakdown of the different types of favorite person was pretty interesting i don't yes i don't remember all of them do you there was i'm blanking on it right now yeah well crap because uh, because because we were talking about this last night literally last night in the chat yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, I know. Right. yeah well, there was one i can't remember what it was exactly what the name of the type was called but it was the type where you 
Oh, gosh, I can't remember. You have one where the one person is kind of like a drug that I know that that's yeah. like their analogy. And then the other one was, oh, my goodness, I'm getting really mad at myself for not being able to say this right now. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> Knowing that I just talked about it for the past two days. Yeah. Well, and there was uh, something about you might, like like you were saying, idealize the person. And um, mm-hmm. there's the word. There's the word that it's called that fits that would just sum it up so succinctly, and I can't think of the word. <laughs> this is great. Um, great pod, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't have to cut some out. Yeah, <laughs> of us just going like, "What are we talking about?" Like, um, should have wrote them down. That one word. What was? That? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that uh, that's definitely one that that kind of rings true with me. Um, and I find the splitting is something that I'm very. Um, like I do all of the time. Yeah. Um, to everyone. So, and it's one of those things that it's, I don't like, you kind of go like, okay, well that's not really a healthy way to view people as like all good or all bad. But then if I think about trying to change that, it's terrifying because it's kind of a very simple way to have your life. It's like, okay, well people are two different things. They're good or they're bad at that exact moment. And then you bring in this world of gray area. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But the, yeah, that's one that I've had a lot of trouble myself dealing with. And the best thing that I have come up is just to try and like constantly remind myself to that people are complex individuals. And there's my dog barking. Um, <laughs> hold on one second. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut this out. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, they just want to be famous is all. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I, like my podcast very, I have quiet pets just no noise it's like my house is the most quiet place in the world that's right you have bunnies right i have bunnies yeah that's so the cute lot, yeah um like the loudest thing i was like my when my bun bunny gets mad at me she tries to flip her litter box over and that's oh. about as which is really annoying but that's about the only noise that is ever made <laughs> so <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's not good, but it's nice no. to have a quiet spot. It's, it's uh, good for podcasting. We'll say yeah. That. My house it's a is. podcasting house. Yeah. My house is not so much, but I do it anyway. <laughs> so where were we? We were talking about FPs and. Splitting. Splitting. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you tell everybody what splitting is since. I'm not sure that everybody is going to know. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, um, it's kind of the, I guess the inability or, or to see people as good and bad. It's very, um, this person is good or this person is bad and you just react. Um, you kind of have supercharged emotions when they're acting each way, if that makes sense. So, um, if someone is like, if I have a friend and everything is going good, then that person is like, a saint in my eyes and they're awesome and they're amazing. And then they do one bad thing and then they're the worst person ever. And you just kind of see that black and white thinking in and mm. how people view others. Um, if that's a good description of it. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's pretty simple, I guess, but, um, and you said you, de- you, you have a hard time with that as well. Yeah, um, I can switch back and forth, um, pretty easily. 
unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> My poor husband. Um, <laughs> but I think that being aware of it helps uh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and my awareness is relatively new. So I know that with me and, and I'm, I'm just a very emotional person, like either way. So it's like, if someone is kind of that good in my books, it's like, I'm just constant, like, you're the best, like all the time. And then, <laughs> and then it's that one small little thing. And it's like, well, I hate you now. Get, get away from me. Like, and it's like, oh my God, everybody that's had to deal with me so far, it's like, how do you do it? Like, that's just <laughs> to kind of be on that, like, crazy roller coaster but it's very hard to um to kind of see that gray area um another thing that um when, when i've been like reading about the stuff that has stuck out to me is the i don't know if you deal with this or not but um having a hard time seeing mistakes as just mistakes and not as something that's intended to be insidious or harmful to you um, like if someone makes a mistake, but I have a neg- like if, if it negatively reacts or sorry, negatively impacts me, I have a hard time seeing it as just someone making a mistake. It's like, well, why would you do that to me? And I, mm-hmm. so that's something that I'm working on, which is difficult so far, but yeah, it's hard to tell. Well, yeah. Part of the borderline I think is that you take everything personally so it's hard to yeah. kind of tell what's you know actually you know what is actually being malicious and what's not <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah like for example my husband will just like kind of throw his shoes everywhere on top of everything and he yeah. doesn't mean it maliciously but I don't know. I take it very personally. Like, well, you obviously don't respect me or anything that I have. If you're just going to do this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You go to that full throttle every time. Of yeah. Like, you're doing this to me. How dare you? And it's just a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy to like rationalize and make sense of how these things work. I'm like, of course that wasn't done in a malicious act. Of course. But then when you're in that moment, it's so hard to kind of look at that rational view. It's just everything else kind of takes over and you're like, no, I'm pissed now. Like I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah, John and I were talking about that, how it's so strange that you're, you can have this rational mind, right. That can see everything that you've done and be like, okay, well this is obviously overreacting. And, and, but it doesn't make it feel any different. Yeah. It's like, you know, this person is not trying to hurt you, but it still feels like they hurt you. <laughs> yeah. And it's very strange because I always consider myself an incredibly rational person. Like I, and then it just goes all out the window and then it's like, okay, well then now I'm acting like this. And then afterwards you're like, well, that wasn't fair. Like that wasn't yeah. appropriate in that context, but okay. Um, so done a lot of backpedaling lately, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. You've kind of been going through the scenario lately. Do you want to talk about about uh, your boyfriend and stuff? Um, yeah, that's just been one of those um, dealing with 
me being how I am and then another person with the very two very reactive personalities mm. that clash a little bit. Um, so I don't get too much into it because I don't really know how that's all going to pan out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want to listen to it afterwards. So oh, yeah. we'll see. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very hard when you have very emotional people dating and, uh, every little argument is World War Three. So <laughs> that's been interesting. It's hard to, and then I'm, um, on this kind of like trying to get myself a bit better and, and trying to react a bit better because I have a really horrible track record of things so far. Um, which is very, it, it's weird with, with me because I had a very happy, happy, happy childhood and then a really horrible adolescence. And then after the adolescence, it all kind of shifted gears. So mm-hmm. I have this other kind of goal now. Like I, I once was very like, you know, before the bipolar kind of kicked in, before the borderline was developed, like in all of these things, like before the PTSD came on, it's, I was a very like calm, rational person. So I'm like, okay, I can still get back there. It's just going to take a little bit of work. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's a good way to look so, at it. Yeah. Um, so you, that's kind of what, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, do you feel like sharing any, any of your story there or yeah, you sure. don't have to, um, if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I grew up in a very small town, um, like single mom, like she's great. Amazing. Um, around 13, I think, um, her and my stepdad split up and my mom started dating this, like this neighbor. Um, and we moved in with him really quickly and he was a huge partier, um, abused methamphetamine. So it was just a really, just an ugly household really. Um, yeah. So then as like, it's a pretty formative years. And, and I think that I just picked up a lot of really bad behaviors in that place. Um, because you're constantly like with, especially with that sort of drug abuse is whoever, like it, there's a lot of arguing all the time and whoever's kind of winning the arguments is really the person who's like angriest and loudest. Mm. So you don't really need like all rationale goes at the window. All communication goes at the window. It's basically like who can yell and be meanest. And then I think being a teenager, I kind of just picked up on you deal with things by getting angry and yelling and, and doing that, mm-hmm. which is not how you should do things. <laughs> um, so then when I was a teenager, basically all of my childhood friendships kind of fell apart. So there wasn't really, um, I was just dealing with a lot at home and I didn't want people at my house cause it was just a chaos. And, um, so that was really tough, um, during those years. And then once I left, I went to college and then my bipolar really kicked in and I was manic for about five months and that was quite a ride. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so then, and uh, so then it was a lot of, but, and then I was also taking antidepressants then cause I was very depressed when I was, um, a teenager. But then when you have bipolar and you take antidepressants, you just get manic. Mm-hmm. So I was manic for a really long time. Um, and all of my like money that I saved for college just was spent and mm-hmm. every, like, so it was that. And then, um, when I was done college, I came to university and then the PTSD kicked in and I couldn't leave my house for like 
over a month and and I was anxious all the time. So it was just a roller coaster of of mental health concerns. And the entire time I was like, no, I think I actually don't think I have any mental illnesses, but thanks. Like, no, I just can't leave my house. That just happens sometimes. Like I was just in such complete denial of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took a, a couple times of going to, I would go to see a psychiatrist and they'd go, yeah, you have bipolar. And I go, oh, no, I don't think so. I'm leaving now. And then I would leave. Then I would go to another person because I'm like, what? Oh, I can't believe someone said that to me. And then I would go to another person like, yeah, you have bipolar. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> so eventually I was like, okay, maybe I should just kind of start treating, like getting, getting medicated for this. So, <laughs> um, and, and even the medications have been, I'm, I'm really bad at wanting to take medications. So even that's been quite a ride. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of common. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very common. Um, and then, uh, so then my psychiatrist that I was seeing, um, it like, like it is research funded by certain age groups. So now I'm too old to go there. So now I have to go to a new one. Um, but yes, so I'm not sure if there's any more details that you want to know because I know it was kind of quick but no that's fine (laughs) (laughs) um you had said something that I was going to ask about and I can't remember I think I think it was the meds that I know that I have uh some difficulty (laughs) wanting sometimes to continue and I don't know why that is I mean why do you think it is with you it, that's hard too because we kind of get back to this thing of like a rational person knows that you need to take your medication right to be right but then it's like oh but i really don't want to like i think when i feel depressed i'm kind of like well why am i even bothering because i'm depressed so why am i bothering to take yeah. medications or if i'm feeling good then i'm like well i don't need them because i'm feeling good even though that's the reason right um or sometimes if i'm feeling bad and you kind of have that like Sometimes you have that, like, I don't know if if you do, but I have that, like, okay, when I was manic, I was so incredibly happy all of the time. And you have that, like, you're not sleeping, but everything's great, and, like, you're the best person to talk to, and all of these things. And sometimes I come to that realization, I was like, I might never feel that good again. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then I get into the, like, well, I definitely am not going to feel that good if I'm medicated. And then it's kind of like, well, we'll just take a chance and hope that I, like, not full-blown mania, but, like, some hypomania. Like, maybe I can just get that. And then every time I've done that, it's just been depression. And then I'm like, okay, well, this does not go according to plan. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think those are my reasons. Like, why don't you want to? A lot of them? mine is, it happens, has to do with just not wanting to um, rely on drugs um, yeah. to, you know, stabilize my mood or to keep me from being depressed or whatever and i don't know just the thought of having to take pills for the rest of your life is kind of daunting yeah it is so that's part of why i don't want to do it and there's part of it is that i you know still sometimes will question whether or not they're doing what they're supposed to be doing right Uh, is it you know, is it effective? Is it the most effective thing they could be doing? There's no like blood test they could do. I mean, there's a blood test for lithium, if that works for you. But 
but there's no blood test they can do that says, oh, yes, this has made you 75% more stable. It's great. Yeah. It's just kind of like, like a, mental illness. There's no objective criteria that you can. Right. Exactly. Right. Which is maddening. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all about how you feel. But sometimes, like, how you feel is incredibly skewed, like, mm-hmm. in that exact moment, right? Um, yeah, I, I do struggle with that a lot. Um, I know recently we talked about because I had, like, I had to get my so my prescriptions refilled and I was just lazy and didn't want to go, which is like the epitome of laziness because the drugstore is across the street. So, <laughs> and I just didn't want to go. And then it was like two weeks had passed and then you're depressed and you feel awful. And then it's like, Oh goodness gracious. Like, what did I do again? Like really? Like Holly, like really again, <laughs> you did this. <laughs> and then it takes, and then the journey to kind of get back to feeling okay is a couple weeks. So then yeah. it's, now you feel like you've just wasted a month because you've been depressed and <laughs> yeah i know because and you know sometimes at least it, to me it feels like when you when i go off medications anyway it's like a hundred times worse than before i went on them you know what absolutely. i mean absolutely yeah because um, the withdrawals you got the withdrawals in addition to everything you were dealing with before <laughs> Yeah. And then I think like even when I'm like, because even when you're medicated, you're going to still get symptoms like that's It's not just going to fix everything. So like I'll still get depressed even though I'm medicated. So I go like my, my mind sounds like, well, why am I even taking these? But I think rationally it's like, well, my depression would be tenfold if I wasn't taking any medication. Like you're still going to feel feelings. Right. Like, you, can't, like right. you know, <laughs> you can't blame medications because you are a human and have emotions um but sometimes i get in that like well why am i even bothering but then i have to remind myself like no this would be way worse like right now you're depressed at the grocery store you would be depressed not being able to leave your bed so right kind of comparing that i guess <laughs> so yeah yeah and it takes so long to find like a good like i mean i right now i'm on risperidone but like i had Abilify and Lamotrigine or Lamictal, whatever, and lithium. Well, lithium I hated so much. Um, and it's just like now is a bit better because I have one that I like right now. Wellbutrin and Respirit don't work well. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're still in that process of getting your medications, like like trying to figure out what works for you, it is the most exhausting and daunting process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever definitely. because it's just like you're dealing with all of your side effects all the time and you're like why do I want to even do this so <laughs> um, it's definitely an uphill battle but it'll be I guess it's worth it in the end to get there but it just takes a while yeah yep it does I um, <laughs> recently my speaking of uh, Abilify the doctor has prescribed me Vralar and it seems to be working pretty well. It doesn't make you wiped out. Like, I was on Seroquel, and that would just make me oh tired God. all the time. Yeah. 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 It's way too, I don't know, sedating, I guess. Yeah. But, so she put me in Braylar, and Braylar was working really well, and I didn't have tiredness and all that. And then come to find out that my insurance company... Uh, doesn't want me to take the Raylar. They want me to take Abilify, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to take Abilify. 
this is working. Why would yeah. you change it? Um, and it's just, it's just crazy that. Also, too, you're not doctors. That. I know. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, that's an entirely different medication. Why would you take something what my doctor has prescribed me and say, um, no. You wouldn't say if they gave me penicillin. You wouldn't say, no, you shouldn't take penicillin. You should take uh, Valium instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, that's that's maddening. So you can't actually get the... the new one anymore like right well my my doctor's office kind of went to bad for me and i think she did get it approved but i haven't gotten it yet so who knows in the meantime they're giving me samples (laughs) to try and that's good yeah sir yeah it's it's, thank goodness frustrating um but that stuff it's very very frustrating yeah i was on i had seroquel too i I, I don't, I'm very anti like feeling sleepy with any of my medication. I don't find that mine do that now. Um, but I find even when I, like when I was on medication that made me sleepy, I wouldn't take it because I didn't want to be sleepy. So then I would just procrastinate until I went to bed and then I would be too tired and I wouldn't take it at all. Like, (laughs) so it's one of those vicious cycles. Um, but I'm, well, hopefully you get, what you actually need yeah. and not abilify. I hope so. It's looking good. Good. They just need to send it, I guess. And they didn't want to pay for it because it's really expensive, I'm sure. Yeah. Because it's one of the new ones that doesn't have a generic yet or anything like that. Right. So. It's like. But thank goodness my doctor's office has a large supply of, <laughs> of samples to uh, distribute to me. <laughs> Because that's, that's what's been happening. That's what's been. And it's good through. they go to bat for you when you need them because yeah. you're not all doctors well. Yeah, that's. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised that it's actually the nurse there that that did it, and she's pretty good. I can't believe that she got them to agree to it actually, because they that's were <laughs> they were very intransigent with me. I can't talk today. <laughs> me neither. Um, well, we've been talking for about half an hour, so we could probably wrap it up if you, unless you have something else you want to talk about. No, that works for me. Okay. We cool. have, yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Becky. Hey, no problem. Thank you for coming on and talking <laughs> to me. Yeah, of course. Do you want to give out any social media stuff or no? I don't really have anything to be there. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not very active. <laughs> Yeah, some people um, are like, "Yeah, with here's my Twitter." No, like, I remember like following like you guys on Twitter, and then I think you followed me back. I'm like, "Oh God, no, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> no, because no. <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's not. I don't use it to like do any advocacy. It's just like this is a funny post. This is kind of stupid. And then, so anytime anyone serious follows me, I go, "Oh no, you're." You're going to be disappointed in what you see. (laughs) I like the funny posts. It distracts me from all of the uh, political posts that I don't see. Yeah. (laughs) I just try try so hard to just actively avoid everything political now. I remember when the internet was fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way back in the good old days. The days of AIM and. Yeah, when you got on it and you weren't in it and it just didn't ruin your day every time. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. 
Thanks again to Holly for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. So hopefully um, we can do it again sometime. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, as usual, you can reach me at Twitter at that B word one. You can reach me via email at Becky at that B word. And you can follow me on Facebook as well uh, at the B word pod. And I have an Instagram and that is that B word pod. So follow me there. I haven't posted too much yet, but I plan on um, making pretty good use of that. So hit me up. Also, I haven't mentioned it in a while, but I do want to let you guys know that I do still have a Patreon up. Um, you can hit me up at thatbeword.com and follow the link to get there. Uh, I really appreciate it. And if that's not something that you're in a position to do right now, that's totally cool. But I'd really appreciate it if instead you would go to iTunes and leave me a positive review. I really appreciate those as well. These things, you know, they, they take work to put together. And knowing that someone is um, taking the time to give you a positive review really kind of makes it worth it. So I appreciate everything that you guys do. And with that, I will talk to you next week. Bye.